You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. Polypharmacy poses risks for all patients, but particularly for the elderly. What should physicians be aware of when administering medication to older patients who already take several prescriptions? Joining us to discuss medication management is Dr. Matthew Wayne, Assistant Professor of Medicine at University Hospital's Case Medical Center and Director of the Foley Elder Health Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on this program, and we're going to talk about the polypharmacy of medication management. So tell me, how prevalent is the problem with polypharmacy in regards to medication management? Well, it's very prevalent. In fact, if we look at from a population standpoint, about 14% of our population in the United States is 65 and older, and yet this percent of the population consumes between 30 and 40% of all prescribed medications as well as over-the-counter medications. And the issues with polypharmacy and medication management only increase when people find themselves in the long-term care setting where the average number of medications taken on a daily basis are around nine medications per day. That kind of leads us to the next question. I mean, so many medications, so many medical problems. What's happening to our elderly population? It really becomes a tremendous challenge. And there's not, uh, if it was something that was easy to do, I don't think it would be as big of an issue. There's obviously risks as people get older. So it's not as if we want to ignore medical conditions when they've been diagnosed, but one oftentimes needs to consider several issues when looking at prescribing these. There are many risks associated with being on multiple medications. One of the biggest is the actual cost, and that could be the cost to the patient, uh, as well as the cost to our medical system as a whole. And it's interesting to note that in some of the analyses done on these costs, the greatest cost actually is in dealing with the adverse drug reactions associated with the medications. So if we are able to find a better way of prescribing and monitoring the medications, we may have a significant effect on decreasing that part of polypharmacy or medication management. Perhaps the biggest cost is, of course, a patient death. And how many of long-term care deaths might be linked to a medication misadventure? Well, we know it's rather common, and it's common in the community as well as in the long-term care setting. Some recent data would show that if there were a 100-bed nursing home, that there may be on average about 10 adverse drug events per month per those 100 beds. I think an even more impressive than that is understanding that almost half of these adverse drug events would be preventable if looked for and monitored for. What's the most common adverse event that you face at your facilities? It's interesting because we can certainly go back to, I think, the way we've all been taught in medical school and in training and looking at the different medications and how likely a medication is to have a certain side effect and certain side effects are going to be more common with certain medications. But what I see as people get older is there kind of seems to be three or four or five very common pathways that result in an adverse drug reaction. Probably the most common one I see in the elderly is weight loss. I also see sometimes confusion or mental status change, a functional decline, oftentimes a fall, and sometimes urinary incontinence. 
I think what really becomes quite challenging is that these problems are looked upon as a new medical condition and begun to be evaluated as a new condition rather than appreciating the fact that it's simply an adverse drug reaction. You know, with that said, though, I mean, certainly dizziness, lightheadedness, headache, stomach discomfort, diarrhea, I mean, it really runs the gamut. Rather than trying to look at a specific medication and pulling out a package insert which could list well over 100 potential side effects, my approach is much more basic, and that is I look to see what's different and are these symptoms correlating to either the initiation of a new medication or perhaps an increased dose of medication. And if I've got a new symptom, symptom or a new potential side effect and it correlates well in time with the initiation of a new drug or an increased dose, it, to me it's highly likely to be a possible adverse drug reaction. Actually a quote, and I believe I'm stealing it from Dr. Gerwitz, but it really is very powerful and it's worth mentioning, and that is that any symptom in an elderly patient should be viewed as an adverse drug event or a side effect to a medication until proved otherwise. That's good. You and I are both starting new medicines in uh, long-term care settings and stopping drugs as well. We're trying to simplify treatment programs. What advice do you give physicians who face managing a large population of elderly patients in uh, long-term care settings? I think we really need to be very careful with how we prescribe medications. I really come to a point now where I want to make the patient prove to me that they need a medication, not that they have to talk me into it, but that I really want to make sure that I've got the proper diagnosis, I have the proper indication before I'm going to commit to prescribing a medication. I think many times it's all too easy. Uh, We're all very busy and we're all crunched for time and it's easy to prescribe a pill to treat something, but I think if we just simply take the time, so do the proper assessment, the proper evaluation, make sure that we have the appropriate indication, and then that we choose the right drug and at the right dose. And then obviously we want to make sure that we monitor it very carefully. But there are some other simple measures that I think are critical to this prescribing process. One is, and it sounds very basic, but I think it's sometimes it's not readily accessible or we forget to do it, and that is to have a list of the medications handy so that if I'm seeing somebody in the office, I want to make sure that I have an up-to-date med list. In fact, in our office setting, we reconcile medications at each and every visit a patient has. And in the nursing home setting, it just takes a minute or two, but to look at that medication list each month or every 60 days when I see that resident to make sure that these medicines are essential and that they're actually helping the patient with whatever target symptom we use to prescribe it. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangelos, and joining me to discuss medication management is Dr. Matthew Wayne, Assistant Professor of Medicine at University Hospital's Case Medical Center and Director of the Foley Elder Health Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Let's continue on with these medication lists and the reconciliation process. You've got patients, you've got families, and oftentimes they and their physicians are wedded to old drugs. How do you go about talking to them about drugs that you're not sure about? I think, one, it takes a little bit of time, and I think it would be all too naive to think that we're all going to have this time at every single visit. But I think what's important, again, is if we have that medication list and we're reviewing it periodically, we know when we're going to make the time to have these conversations. And sometimes 
patients who have been on medicines for a long time and, and have very strong feelings about that, that can be a, a challenging situation. I don't know that I necessarily have a goal of trying to switch, whether it be stopping the medicine or changing it to a newer medication, but what I really want to understand is why was this medication prescribed, for what purpose, and is it actually effective what's going on? So if I'm concerned about a particular medication, I'm, what I'm going to do in the course of that conversation is try to connect the concern to how the patient's doing. So if they're on a medication, even if it's been for years, but I'm concerned it may be causing a side effect, then I'm going to explain to the patient the reason I want to make this change, either to stop or to make a change to a different medicine, is because I'm concerned it's actually causing a problem for you. And our goal is to get you feeling better. But again, I think the art of medicine is, is trying to develop a comfort level with what's been done in the past, and if it's been done with appropriate medication management and it's appropriate for the patient and the patient's doing well, then there's really no reason to change that particular course. As you get to some of these patients toward the end of their life, you're confronted with a lot of issues, our audience certainly is, with regards to preventive care. How do you juggle what you have to do right now with some of the things that might have been good for the past 30 years but don't really fit with you know the last two or three years of life? That's a great question. And I think it really kind of strikes to the heart of the challenges that we face in, in prescribing medications. To me, I try to break the medications that I use into two distinct categories. I'm going to use a medication if I'm trying to treat a symptom or a problem. So that's one distinct category. And I want to define what that problem is. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's shortness of breath. Maybe it's a problem with reflux or acid indigestion. So I have a symptom. I'm going to diagnose the problem, prescribe something, and I have a target in which to follow. If I'm treating pain, I prescribe a pain medication. I'm going to follow to make sure that my medication is actually improving the pain. The second distinct category of medications are actually medications we use to treat asymptomatic disease or ultimately preventive care. So medicines we would use to treat high blood pressure, high cholesterol, oftentimes diabetes, osteoporosis. So many of these and many of these medications are appropriately indicated to help improve outcomes for asymptomatic disease. But I think as you kind of touched upon at some point when we begin to have to weigh these very difficult issues with life expectancy and quality of life, it may not be appropriate to continue to use or aggressively treat asymptomatic disease. So some of the factors that we really need to weigh are patient choice. Does the patient want to be or desire to be on another medication? What's their overall quality of life at present? And most importantly, what's their life expectancy? So if we're looking at a frail older adult who has a life expectancy of less than a year or two, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to aggressively treat high blood pressure or diabetes in that setting. And that may be one way that we can try to balance this very difficult challenge with the medication management. Well, setting appropriate targets, as you've identified, is really a very nice concept. And are more of your patients hypertensive or hypotensive? And are you starting drugs for hypertension or stopping drugs for hypotension in your long-term care settings? Uh, hypertension is obviously a very common problem, and it's very interesting if we really start to take a look at the data specific to the older adult. And what we see is that the evidence begins to stray a bit from what we see in mainstream medicine and more aggressive controls of blood pressure. 
probably more times than not, I'm dealing with patients that have low blood pressures rather than high blood pressures, but it may be because of the way I'm defining high blood pressure. Most of the research and the data that's been done in older adults, and when I say older adults in this setting, it's really age 65 and older, has shown that the studies have targeted individuals with systolic blood pressures greater than 160. And in fact, the goals or the targets in these studies was a goal to get them under a systolic of 160. In fact, our newest study, HiVet, which came out earlier in 2008, the target was a systolic blood pressure of 150. And clear enough, it shows that when we've identified these patients with systolics greater than 160 and treat them to below 160, it clearly improves cardiovascular outcomes. It improves or decreases the risk of heart attack or stroke. But many of the meta-analyses done prior to this showed that while we do see a cardiovascular benefit, there was a trend or an increase in all-cause mortality. So there was something else to this. And there have been several other interesting studies that have come to light, including a retrospective analysis done in 2007, which actually showed that as a patient's systolic blood pressure dips below 130, their mortality begins to rise incrementally. And so I think, you know, taking this all into context, when I'm dealing with an older adult, do I want to treat hypertension? Absolutely, but my goals or targets are really looking for people above a systolic of 160, and my goals are trying to get them somewhere in between a systolic blood pressure between 130 and 150. So you know, that really kind of dovetails nicely into this talk about medication management because there are many times, whether it be in the office setting or the nursing home setting, where I see a patient and they have a blood pressure of 110 over 70 and my innate reflexive reaction is, this is great. And sure enough, they're on three different blood pressure medicines and the concern there is that we actually may be doing more harm than good in that setting and the patient may actually benefit from a simplification of regimen. Well, I would like to thank my guest from University Hospital's Case Medical Center in Cleveland, Ohio, Dr. Matthew Wayne. Dr. Wayne, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. It was my pleasure. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA, For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. The American Medical Directors Association, AMDA, was founded in 1975 and today is the only national organization representing long-term care physicians and professionals. Our members are physicians and other professionals who care for patients in long-term care settings, including nursing homes, assisted living, hospice, and home care. AMDA has distinguished itself nationally with evidence-based pragmatic solutions for effective practice in long-term care settings. The 2009 AMDA Annual Symposium takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina, March 5th through the 8th, 2009. AMDA members are experts in the long-term care field who will address today's most relevant clinical and practice management issues. To learn more and register for the AMDA Annual Symposium and core curriculum meetings, visit www.amda.com. And be sure to listen each week for Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, a weekly series exploring the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in long-term care medicine practice, exclusively on ReachMD.